the bigger an impact that you show people that you can have, the more they will want to put you on things that require someone with that level of capability. It is these three behaviors, creating clarity, staying in leadership throughout the meeting and courageously diving into problems that are really going to communicate to people that you are not just doing your job and showing up and executing, but that you are bringing the highest level of leadership and excellence to the work that you do. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up a podcast that helps professional women access the limitless potential that lies within them. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik, and my mission is to help you find that spark inside you that has the power to transform your career in ways you may not have thought possible. I'm so excited that you're here. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. It is so good to be here. I haven't recorded a podcast in a while. I'm doing them more in batches and so a lot of time elapses and every time I come back and sit down to record, I feel like I'm reuniting with the lover. (laughs) And so I'm feeling really excited to record today's episode and also just very jazzed about the topic because this is a topic that I love talking about and love coaching on and love supporting you with. So I'm feeling really good. If you're new, hi, this is my podcast. I'm Jess. I'm a career coach. I'm the host of this show. I help women build confidence. I help them find their voice. I help them become powerful communicators. The ultimate mission for me is to support women in rising up and becoming super powerful, effective, confident leaders in their corporate and nine-to-five careers. That's what we're doing today. And today's episode is on a topic that I love so much. And I'm going to be hitting on um, some more subtle themes today. These are more subtle behaviors and subtle, seemingly subtle things that happen in meetings. And on the surface, they can be little moments, small moments, and they can be a little bit hard to identify if you haven't really necessarily thought about these things as much or learned about these concepts as much. So my goal for today is to open your eyes and make you aware of certain choices that you can make in meetings that will help communicate and convey to leadership, to your boss, to executives at your company that you are a high performer, that you are a leader, that you are someone who they should really have their eye on for leadership roles. The way that I think about it is meetings are where we show people our stuff. Meetings are where people really get to know us and our work in a way that they can't get to know in any other way. I really want you to think about the fact that meetings are the only place in your career where people see you problem solve and execute in real time, live, in the flesh. There is no other place where they get to watch you in process because everything that happens outside of meetings is pretty much sharing things and documents that are already finished, right? No one's actually seeing you do it. You're doing it behind the scenes, Meetings are where you come out from behind the scenes, like you're coming out onto the stage and people actually get to see 
This is why meetings are so critical and they're such a beautiful opportunity to communicate to your leadership the depth and extent of your skills and capabilities. And that's what today's episode is really about, is how to do that really effectively. Before I dive in, I want to let you know that today is the last week the doors are open for the Art of Speaking Up Academy. So doors close Friday, November 18th at 5 p.m. Pacific time. And so if you haven't joined, there are just a few days left to join. If this is your first time hearing about the Academy, the Academy is my signature group program. It is a six-month program where you will get to spend time with me and a very intimate cohort of women who have similar challenges, similar goals as you, and you will be working on growing your confidence, right? Like building that inner badass. And also you will be learning a very broad and deep portfolio of communication skills that are really going to help you stand out in meetings. You will learn the foundations of executive communication. You will learn the foundations of assertiveness. You will learn the foundations of thought leadership so that when you show up in meetings, you are making an impression that will help accelerate your path to leadership. If that is something that you want to be a part of, if you want to join me in what I think is a deeply transformational six-month journey that will it is designed to change the way that you see yourself and really have you start feeling genuine confidence and seeing yourself as a leader in those meeting rooms. If that is the shift that you are ready to make, that you are desiring, I invite you to come join me inside the Art of Speaking Up Academy. Head over to justguzzitcoaching.com slash academy. This is where you can enroll for the program, and you can see much more details about the program. You can check out the curriculum. You can learn more about it, and feel free to send me a note, although hurry because there's only a few days left, but feel free to send me a note if you have questions about it. I will drop my email in the show notes. I would love to have you join us. That's justguzzitcoaching.com slash academy. And now let's get into the topic of today's episode because this is just like the academy. This is so foundational for your growth. So what I'm going to walk you through today are a set of three behaviors that will really help communicate to people around you. She is leadership material. She is one to watch. She is a high performer. She is someone that we want to retain. She is someone that we want to promote. I really want you to start seeing those connections between what you say and do in meetings and your professional reputation and therefore your career path. A huge part of the reason why I was successful in my corporate career is because I understood, it took a lot of time, <laughs> but eventually I got to a point where I understood who I needed to be in meetings in order to have a higher impact in my role. As I understood that, I was able to practice showing up that way. As I practiced showing up that way, my confidence grew. It felt more and more natural to do that. And as my confidence grew and I consistently showed up that way more often, my work had a much higher impact. My audience was much more engaged and impressed and captivated by the work that I did. And the result of that was that I was on a very accelerated path to executive leadership. I'm trying to remember, I became like technically an executive at a very large company, the Walt Disney Company. And how old was I? I think I was either like 32 or 33. So my early 30s, which is very, very fast, right? That's a very fast time frame in one's career to hit executive status. There are lots of reasons for that. 
I also want to name that like there there's a lot of inequality and privilege that plays a role in that. So there's a lot of complexity and it's important for me to point out that it's it's not just this black and white thing all the, of the time, but one thing that contributed to that and played a role in that was my ability to show up in meetings and show up as a leader and therefore have a bigger impact. The bigger an impact that you show people that you can have the more they will want to put you on things that require someone with that level of capability. Here's how I want you to think about this, right? If someone is really, really skilled, it is inefficient to keep them in a role where they cannot use the full breadth of their skills, right? So it is literally, as you show people what you're able to do, it is literally a bad decision for your company not to promote you because they want someone with your thinking in a role where that thinking will get used to create results, right? And then they can replace your old role with someone whose skill set matches your old role. So it's like, it's almost like a match game where they want to match people's skill sets to the proper role. And so as you show them that your skill set is higher, they're going to want to match you to a higher role. And what I'm teaching you today in this episode is all about how do you show them that? And specifically, how do you show them that in meetings? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk you through the list of three things And then I'm going to deep dive into each one of them and talk about what gets in the way of it and talk about how to help you cultivate this ability. So let's dive in. Okay. The three things are one, creating moments of clarity for your audience. This is huge. I'm so excited to talk about this. I'm such a nerd. (laughs) Number two is staying in leadership throughout the meeting is harder than it sounds. We're going to talk about that. And number three is courageously diving into problems and roadblocks. So let's start with number one, creating moments of clarity for your audience. So first I want to define and talk about what a moment of clarity is because I think understanding it is a huge driver in helping you do it. So a moment of clarity, you've probably had a lot of these in your career and in your life, but when we experience a moment of clarity, it feels really good. It's that moment where something that you didn't understand finally makes sense. It's that moment where someone is explaining the rules to a game, a board game you've never played, and it finally clicks and you're like, all right, I'm ready to play. It's that moment where you're watching a movie and they reveal the plot twist at the end and everything makes sense. And you're like, oh my God, I see all the pieces, right? It's that moment of clarity, that moment of comprehension, that moment of understanding. And if you've experienced that moment, you know it feels really good, right? Like it feels really good when things click, when things make sense, right? It's a very positive experience. So what I'm inviting you to do in today's episode is to commit to creating those moments for your audience, right? And I really want you to have the reference point of how good they feel so that you can really understand what it's like for your audience to experience moment after moment of clarity, clicking, things are making sense, things are flowing, the logic is all fitting together. When those moments of clarity happen for your audience, there are a couple things that result from that. The first thing that results from that is they have a very good experience in your meeting, right? It feels 
good to experience clarity. It feels good for things to click. It feels good for things to fit together. As humans, we love this. Like we like coherence, right? Like we like when things make sense. So your audience is having a more positive experience. And I mean, think about the opposite. We don't like it when things don't make sense. We don't like it when we're confused. We don't like it when we can't seem to fit the pieces together, right? So you can almost think about this as a spectrum from like confusion to clarity. And the more moments you have of very coherent, very sharp clarity, the better experience your audience has. But that's not the only result that it has on your audience. In addition to them having that good experience, the leaders in your audience, many of them will likely begin to realize that you are a deep and solid thinker. Because when you create moment after moment of clarity for them, and it's like, boom, 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 like cohesion, it makes sense, it maps, it works, it's like, I'm getting it then what they start to understand about you is that you are a very crisp thinker, right? And this happens, it's less about doing this in one meeting one time, and it's more about doing this over and over in every meeting and the cumulative effect of that, right? But they experience that over and over, and they begin to realize that your thinking is sharp, that your work is sharp. And they know that with the level of clarity that you are able to bring, that they can put you on something messy, weird, complicated, and it creates an enormous amount of trust because they've seen the degree to which you are able to shepherd and guide them through things, which makes them have the faith and feel comfortable to take a bet on you. It's sort of like if you're someone who cooks and or if you're a control freak, I think you'll relate to this analogy. But it's sort of like when you're having a dinner party. I love having dinner parties. I love making food for my friends. I don't know if you are too. I'm also like very much a control freak in the kitchen. And so it's, When someone asks me if they can help, it's like sirens go off in my head and I'm like, no, like, like I have to make everything right. But it's sort of like if, if a friend asks me to help, I'm going to give them a very easy task, right? I'm going to be like, can you wash these tomatoes? But if I have a friend who I know, like knows how to cut an onion, (laughs) then I might entrust them with a more complex task. This is giving you a window into how controlling I am about my cooking. But listen, like I've had times where I've been like, hey, can you cut an onion? And I assume, like it doesn't even occur to me that not everyone knows how to do it, knows how to get all the pieces the right size, right? So they'll be like struggling with it for like 10 minutes and then we'll have all these different size onion pieces. And then I kind of realize like, oh, that wasn't the best task to give them, right? But if I have a friend who's really good at cooking or who's in culinary school or whatever, I can give them the entire dish. I can just be like, can you make the guacamole? And I can only have that faith if I have like seen them cut the tomato and know they can cut the onion and they know the seasonings and I don't have to like explain everything because I've seen all those little pieces, right? I I know that they hold this quality so I can actually have them make an entire dish. I feel like you might be judging me now for how controlling I am, but you know what? Like chefs and people who make food, I I do think a lot of us tend to be a little controlling and we project it into the kitchen and into our food. But anyway, my point here is that a similar dynamic can happen in a professional setting where when you create moment after moment of clarity, it's like you're showing people I can make the dish, right? Like I can handle all the steps. I'm not going to drop something. I'm not going to lose something. And what you're really showing them 
is the thinking that you are able to do that creates the clarity, right? Just like with the chef who is making the guacamole, I could tell my my non, like my friend who isn't great at cooking, I could tell them exactly how to cut the tomato, exactly how to cut the onion. It's still not going to come out as good as the chef because the chef has this internal knowledge in their brain. So it's like, that's what I'm trusting in is like those intellectual capabilities that they've cultivated through practice. When you create clarity for your audience, they begin to trust that you have those intellectual capabilities around the work that you do. And they're like, oh, we can give her this bigger thing. So I want you to remember this, clarity creates trust. This is so important, right? When you share things that are clear for your audience, then they don't get confused. They're right there with you and their trust in you and your work grows enormously, right? This is why it is so important when you are putting together content, when you are sharing information that you slow down and ask yourself, how can I simplify? How would I explain this to a kindergartner? How can I assume like that my audience doesn't know much about this, right? Where am I assuming that they know as much as I do? And where can I simplify and bring them along? Where can I add structure? Where can I make my content more coherent and cohesive? What I'm speaking about are some of the tangible tools of executive communication. It is those executive communication tools, simplicity, structure, context, flow, those are the skills that create the moments of clarity for your audience, which then inspires the trust in you. But the most foundational ingredients to creating clarity are simplicity. So having things be clear, easy, understandable by a third grader, or even better, a kindergartner, and structure, having a logic to the way you arrange things that makes sense. These are skills that I dive very deep into in the Art of Speaking Up Academy. We learn them. We get to workshop them on examples of work content so you can really see them applied in real time. So if this is an area where you want to go deep, the Academy will really support you in doing this. This is a skill that is going to show people that you are ready for more. So before you go into your next meeting, ask yourself, how can I create as much clarity as possible for my audience? How can I show them that they can hand off the guacamole to me and that it is going to turn out delicious and it is not going to be like a very hacked, (laughs) different size cut up things guacamole. Okay, that is number one, creating moments of clarity for your audience. Number two, this is a really hard one. This one, unlike number one, is more about taking up space. So number one, creating clarity, that doesn't require you to take up a lot of space. Creating clarity requires you to slow down and really zoom in on your content and ensuring that your audience is having the best possible experience of your content. Number two is about taking up space. So number two is to stay in leadership throughout the course of the meeting. This is especially important if it's your meeting, and I'll use an example where you are running a meeting to explain this, although it does apply in many different situations. But for simplicity's sake, um, let's assume that we're talking about a meeting that you are the one running, you own the agenda. So when we are in leadership, we are assuming responsibility. We have taken on the internal task of moving things forward, of helping to drive forward progress, right? That's what it means to be in leadership is like, I'm thinking of myself as the person 
who's in charge. It sort of reminds me of like, you know, like let's say you go to Disneyland, right? There's usually like one person in your friend group who like holds the map and knows the rides and is like planning out what to do. And there maybe there's more than one person, right? But there's like the people holding the map and being like, like thinking about where you're going to go when. And then there's the people that are just along for the ride, right? Being in leadership means being the person that's holding the map. It means your mind is more engaged. It means you're keeping track of things. It means you're making a lot of suggestions and you're helping to make sure things stay on track, right? It's a different mental position than being an audience member. Now, what's fascinating here, though, is that through the course of a meeting, even though technically it's your meeting and it's, it remains your meeting from the beginning to the end, based on the interactions that happen in the meeting, you might find yourself going in and out of leadership, right? You might find yourself dipping out of mentally assuming the role of a leader. So typically, at the beginning of a meeting, when you're sharing the agenda and you're getting things started, that's when it's easiest to maintain the mental position of a leader because no one has responded to anything you've said yet. So you're not getting any pushback. You know, no one's trying to pull you down some random rabbit hole. You're literally just kicking off the meeting. So that's the easiest time in the meeting to stay in leadership. The more you invite your audience in, though, the more they interact, the more they become part of the conversation, the harder it becomes to stay in leadership. And when we kind of back down from seeing ourselves as the leader, we stop holding the map when we're walking through Disneyland, we hand it to someone else, we've stepped out of leadership. Now, this will typically happen because of some sort of interaction with your audience that shakes your confidence, rattles your imposter syndrome, has you questioning yourself. And in that questioning, you experience a lot of emotional discomfort and it becomes so hard to maintain the mental position of leader with all of that discomfort. So here's an example of what that might look like. You're running a meeting, you share the agenda, you get into the content, and then you get into a piece of content. Let's just say you're showing a PowerPoint deck. You get to a page where you're sharing a proposal for what you think the next step of your project should be, and someone jumps in and challenges it and says, this doesn't make sense. I don't agree with this. In that moment, you might feel a massive wave of emotion. Your body might feel like it wants to collapse. You might start to feel doubtful. You might have a flood of fear and worry and imposter syndrome and smallness, and you might want to run and hide. And so when that person shares that, because you're having such an overwhelming internal experience, it might be really hard for you to stay in leadership. And typically, when we hand off leadership, we will do one of two things in a situation like that. We will either go into like people pleasing and try to fix the situation as fast as possible so that we can feel comfortable again. So we might quickly agree with the person and say, yes, like, well, what do you propose we do? Like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, okay, okay. Because we want that discomfort to be over. Or we will hand off leadership to that person. So it's equivalent to being at Disneyland and your friend being like, you're horrible. 
at like coordinating and the, and you you're like yes I am horrible and you give them the map and you're like okay you can do it so in a meeting if someone challenged you you would let them take over right and let them start directing your project now these behaviors make sense and I want to really take a moment to stop and clarify that I am not shaming these behaviors and it is so important in our growth process that when we identify a behavior that isn't creating the result that we want in our career, that we don't shame ourselves because that is often a very automatic response. As soon as we realize we're doing something that we desire to change, we go into self-judgment and shaming, which actually slows down the process of building confidence. So if you relate to these behaviors, it is incredibly important to approach this with gentleness and curiosity and compassion. We can desire to change a behavior without hating ourselves and without making ourselves horrible. And I think that is so important in something like this when we identify a place where we want to shift a behavior. So this behavior is happening because of the discomfort that we're feeling, because we haven't yet learned how to be with that discomfort and stay in leadership. Staying in leadership means mentally thinking, this is my project, this is my meeting, I am responsible for getting to the best possible result. This person is sharing information with me that suggests that my method isn't going to get us to the best possible result. I have to stay in leadership and find out what will get us to the best possible result so that I can move this project forward in the most effective way. And that answer of like, what will get you to the best possible result? You could be right. They could be right. It's like, it will be different every time, right? It's not about who's right and who's wrong. It's about you staying in leadership and being determined to figure that out, right? So instead of people pleasing or going into pleasing and saying, oh yeah, you're right. We'll do it your way. Or instead of shrinking away and letting that person take over and then letting other people take over and other people solve it, you stay in leadership. You're the leader. You're solving the problem, right? So that means that when someone challenges you internally, you're thinking, well, I've got to help us get this to resolution, right? And it's again, it's not about who's right and who's wrong. It's about using yourself as the leader no matter what happens in the meeting. It is my responsibility to move this towards leadership, which means that rather than people-pleasing or letting other people take over, you would engage with that stakeholder and begin problem-solving with them, which I'm going to talk about in number three. But I want to give one more example of how to stay in leadership. This is another wonderful example, is when people try to distract from the main topic of your meeting or like two people start arguing about something that is not connected to your meeting or people start going in another direction. Now, sometimes when this happens you do really need to pivot and focus the meeting in a new direction. But there are times when people are just rabbit holing into things that don't make sense for your meeting. Stepping out of leadership looks like allowing this to happen and allowing this to go on. Staying in leadership means recognizing that every meeting costs money, right? Like each person is spending time, which is finite, in your meeting. And as the leader of the meeting, it is your responsibility to make sure that your time and everyone else's time is being used effectively. So stepping out of leadership would look like letting people hijack. Staying in leadership would look like, hey, guys, it looks like there's another topic coming up. I'm going to table this 
for a different forum because I want to make sure we get through the priority pieces. So I'm going to bring us back to the agenda, but I am making a note here that this other topic came up so that we can close the loop in a separate context. And then you keep going. That's what it looks like to stay in leadership. Now, the reason this is so important is not just because that specific meeting will obviously be much more productive if you stay in leadership throughout the meeting, but similar to number one is you have to think about the cumulative effect of doing that meeting after meeting after meeting and what your boss, what leaders, what executives will begin to learn and conclude about you as they see you doing this, right? That is what is so important here. When they see that you know, you're meeting, like someone challenges it, something's getting rocky, something's getting shaky. And every time you wrangle it, right? I'm imagining like a cowgirl. I was going to say cowboy, but let's make it a cowgirl. I'm imagining a cowgirl, like wrangling like a wild animal, right? Like when they know that no matter how wild the animal is, you wrangle, you stay in leadership, you keep it moving, you keep it going. Like when they know that, it's similar to number one. They're like, oh, we can give her the crazy project. We can give her the hard project. We can give her the big promotion. We can give her the new expansion project. We can give her this hard thing that other people can't handle because look at how she wrangles. Look at how she stays in leadership. Look at how she keeps people in line. And keeping people in line doesn't mean being mean, right? I'm going to do a whole separate future podcast episode that like being a leader, being direct, being effective, like, it doesn't mean like being an asshole, right? It means staying in leadership. When they see that you can do that, they can make a bet on you. And typically, if you want a fast path to promotion, you need people to make a bet on you, right? If you want rapid growth or, you know, really any growth, People are going to put you in a role or put you on projects where you haven't done that role before. You haven't done that project. So how do they know you can handle it? Because they've seen you wrangle. They've seen you pick up the lasso and be like, all right, I can do this, right? Like, I can get this. And they see that enough times and they're like, okay, like, I can assume, I can extrapolate that she can handle more. So it's so important. I really want you to think about, like, at any given point in a meeting, you're either holding the map to Disneyland or you've passed the map to someone else. And what you want to do is get better and better at getting through an entire meeting without handing the map to anyone. You want to be able to get through the meeting while holding the map the entire time. That is your goal. That is what will show people that you are capable of leading. That is what will help turbocharge your career growth. Okay, the third one. The third one that will help you show people that you are a leader is diving into problems. And this is very closely connected with number two. That's why I ordered them this way. So diving into problems means having the courage to face the hard things and having the resilience and the determination to push through them one by one to get to results. There are very few problems that come up in a business setting that cannot be solved. And yet we tend to get so scared when problems come up, especially if it's problems around our work or our meeting, and we forget that we can probably fix them. So typically when a problem arises, especially if it's a problem related to a piece of work that you own, and maybe it's a problem that you haven't anticipated, right? So we can go back to the example from the second item on this list. You share a proposal and then someone in your audience says, that's not going to work. A problem has arisen. Now, one of the things that differentiates leaders 
is their relationships to problems and how they navigate through them. Leaders have an exceptional ability to get through problems. And part of that is because of this quality that I'm sharing, which is that they go into the problem head on. When something difficult comes up, you know, if we haven't cultivated the capacity to be with the discomfort, then we won't be able to dive deeper into the problem. We want to skip over the problem. We want to get to the solution. We want to stop feeling uncomfortable. We want to stop being in the discomfort of wondering if we're doing our project wrong or wondering if it's not going to work. But the problem is that causes us to rush through the phase where we actually get to show leadership, which is where we dive into the problem, which means that if someone challenges something that you do, while there may be a part of you that might want to run and hide and avoid the discussion and just agree with them and move on, the most effective thing to do is dive right on in with them and address it head on. So what this looks like is if someone says, hey, this isn't going to work, one of your next moves in that conversation needs to be, let's talk about that. Can you share more with me? Now, this can feel so terrifying because you're moving into the fire. You're moving into the thing that's scary, right? Because often when a problem comes up, we take it personally, right? We feel like we've been challenged and it's really hard to tolerate those feelings. So not only do we want to skip over it, but like we for sure don't want to dive into it, right? And so when you have that maturity, that ability to be like, all right, I'm going to solve this. I'm going to dive into this. Then what happens is not only do you get a better result, not only do you strengthen your relationship with the stakeholder who brought the problem to you because you dove deep and you problem solved with them, but you show people that you are a problem solver. The only way that people will learn that you are a problem solver is if they watch you solve problems, and they're only going to get the chance to do that if you have the courage to dive in, which means that when you are running a meeting and a problem comes up, I want you to think about it as a good thing, and I want you to almost imagine that that problem is like a ring at the bottom of the pool. Did you ever go diving for rings when you were learning to swim and they would like drop the rings in the pool and you'd have to like go dive and get them? I want you to think about like that that problem is the ring that's sitting at the bottom of the pool and your job is to dive straight for it, not to avoid it, not to pretend like it's not there, not to let the other people in the meeting dive for it. You are going for it. You are going straight into it because what you will realize after you do this over and over is that it's not about you, that everyone's work has problems. Everyone's work gets pushed back. Everyone gets told this isn't going to work. That's literally part of the job. It means nothing about your effectiveness. All it means is that you're showing up, right? There is no career path in which every suggestion and proposal that you put in front of people is met with unconditional, like positive reinforcement. There are going to be so many situations where there's challenges. And your willingness to address those head on is going to show people she's very good at navigating problems because they're going to watch how you do it. And then they're going to learn and make a mental note of like, oh, when things get really tangled and like things are very difficult and there's these really big roadblocks, 
I see her clearing the roadblock. I just saw her clear that. And I spoke about trust earlier when I talked about clarity. This is a huge trust builder, right? It's just like me having my friend make the guacamole. If I have seen that friend, <laughs> this analogy is getting so funny. If I've seen that that friend like knows what to do when you cut open the avocado and like half of the avocado is brown and like, should you use it? Should you cut out the brown part? Like, or what do you do when you're missing an ingredient? Like, if I know that my chef friend can handle all of those things, I'm like, okay, you can like make the guacamole, even though like, I don't know if the avocados are good. I'm missing some ingredients. Like I have so much trust because I've seen that chef like make a guacamole under non-optimal circumstances, right? It's the same in your career. When they watch you solve the problems, they know you can handle the messy things. You can handle something where a lot of roadblocks are coming because they're literally watching you live in the meeting, engaging, not just people pleasing the stakeholder, right? Not letting other people take over, but courageously diving into the problem. This requires an enormous amount of bravery and courage because when your work is getting challenged or when roadblocks are coming up, again, we can take it personally and we can want to run from it and avoid it. And so this is a capacity that you obviously want to cultivate in small steps over time, but this is something that will really distinguish you as being capable of handling a lot of complexity, capable of stepping into executive roles. And honestly, this is the kind of thing that also makes your job a lot less stressful because so much of the stress comes from these feelings that we feel when we get challenged. And when we learn to address the problems head on, when we know how to stay in leadership, then these challenges and road bumps, they don't feel so scary. They just feel like another part of our job that we do. It can take the emotional charge out of it when you get better at handling it because it just becomes a thing that you navigate through. It's like you put out a proposal, someone disagrees, you talk about it, and it doesn't have to feel so overwhelming and heavy. And so it is these three behaviors, creating clarity, staying in leadership throughout the meeting, and courageously diving into problems that are really going to communicate to people that you are not just doing your job and showing up and executing, but that you are bringing the highest level of leadership and excellence to the work that you do. And what I really want to point out in all of these, and I think this is so important to name, is that Nowhere in this podcast episode did I say you can't feel fear. I didn't say that you can't feel nervous. I didn't say that you can't experience self-doubt. I didn't say that you need to be or sound perfect. None of those things were said. What these traits require, especially particularly items two and three on the list, is courage, grit, bravery, resourcefulness, right? Like just being able to give it everything you've got in the moment, but giving it everything you've got, staying in leadership, powerfully driving it forward, that's not the same as being perfect, right? Being perfect is like grasping onto control and expecting so much of yourself and pushing yourself so hard. This is different. This is about being gritty and being like, you know what? I'm not perfect. I'm not going to get this perfect. This meeting isn't going to go perfect, but I want to become a really good leader. So when something comes up, I'm going to get messy and I'm going to roll my sleeves and I'm going to dive in and I'm going to talk to my stakeholder about it, right? Or I'm going to say the scary thing in the meeting because I know it's going to show people that I'm able to stay in leadership. So this isn't about feeling amazing or confident all the time. It's not about being perfect. 
It's about being willing to roll your sleeves up and jump in the ring. And when someone says this isn't going to work, you say, okay, let's talk about it, right? Like it's being willing to go there with that person, being willing to let go of this illusion that I think so many of us cling on to, which is like, I'm perfect. My work is perfect. Everything is perfect. And then that gets challenged and we can't tolerate it. It's so uncomfortable, right? It's being willing to be in a space of like, my work isn't perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect. I don't have to be perfect. People can challenge it. It's all fine, right? It's really getting yourself on board with that so that you can become more effective as a leader. Because ironically, when you're clinging to the illusion of perfection, it doesn't make you a very good leader. You're not open to being challenged. You're not a great problem solver, right? There's a lot of rigidity that comes with perfectionism. And being a good leader is all about being adaptable, being flexible, being courageous, being brave. So I really just want you to notice if your mind goes into perfectionism and recognize that this is about releasing that and... (laughs) When I talk to my clients, I often use the analogy of like mud wrestling, right? Like to be a good leader, to be a powerful communicator, to find your voice, you might want it to be like a game of tennis where it's this neat little game where the ball's back and forth and there's no, it's a no contact sport. But really the game that we're playing is mud wrestling. We're getting very messy. (laughs) We're in the rink. It's dirty. And so it's like, you need to go into it with that mentality. And if you show up at like a mud wrestling match wearing like a beautiful, white, cute, unstained tennis outfit, everything's going to feel really uncomfortable. But if you're like, oh, this is supposed to be messy. It's supposed to be challenged. I just need to stay in leadership. I just need to keep playing the game. Then everything begins to feel a bit lighter and a bit more manageable. So that is what I have for you today. I am so glad that you listened to today's episode. If you want to dive much deeper and actually cultivate all three of these skills, you will get a very in-depth, interactive experience with me inside the Art of Speaking Up Academy. You will get much better at creating clarity for your audience because we will dive deep into some of the foundational executive communication skills that will help you build clarity with your audience, which is what builds trust, which is what helps them make a bet on you. And of course, the staying in leadership piece and the diving into problems piece is something that we really go into, particularly inside the assertiveness module of the Art of Speaking Up Academy, where you really learn how to approach those conversations where you're being challenged or you're getting pushback, how to approach them with grace, with respect, but with tons of effectiveness and leadership so that you can show people I can handle this and I can handle more. If you would like to join me inside the Art of Speaking Up Academy, you can sign up at jessicasatcoaching.com slash academy. I will link it below. Thank you so much for tuning in. This was a really fun episode to record. I am so pumped to catch you next week and I'm wishing you a beautiful day. Bye.